Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 119. Once again, we'll turn to Psalm 119 in this wonderful uh, Sunday School series of Psalm 119. And I hope that this has been a tremendous blessing to you to walk through this psalm, to be able to learn more about the Word of God and have the illustration, the historical uh, psalmist who is going through all of these afflictions, all of these troubles, all of these heartbreaks and understanding that to get through them all, he was clinging to the Word of God. And so if you don't mind, once again, we'll turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and we'll pick it up in verse number 89. Psalm 119 in verse number 89. Notice what the Bible says. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou was established the earth, and it abided. They continue this day according to thy ordinances, for they are all thy servants. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine. Save me, for I have sought thy precepts. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have seen an end of all perfection. But thy commandment is exceedingly broad. And if you wouldn't mind, if you have the habit of marking things in your Bible, notice what it says about God's word in Psalm 119 and verse 89. Psalm 119 and 89, it says, Thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is settled in heaven heaven. And with the Lord's help, we want to kind of study this passage here. Thy word is settled in heaven. The first thing we want to bring to our attention is that God's word is forever. God's word is forever. One of the great attributes of God is that he changes not. That's one of the major things about our God is that we understand that our God is holy, holy, Holy. The word holy carries with it the idea of per perfection. So we could say it like this, that God is perfect, perfect, perfect. How do we know that God is perfect? That's a great question. How do we know that God is perfect? Because he does not change. Anything that is perfect does not have to change. It doesn't have to update. It doesn't have to have a new patch. It doesn't have to have any type of modification. It doesn't have to adjust for the times. If it's perfect, there is no changing. That's one of the great benefits that we have about God is that God is a perfect God. Well, as we think about God, hold your finger here and let's learn something about something God does. The book of Ecclesiastes. So if you're in Proverbs, just turn over to the other direction and come to the book of Ecclesiastes. 
The next book over is Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. And if you don't have this verse highlighted, marked in some form, I would encourage you to mark this verse because this is important. Now we're building up a principle that we start off that God is perfect. And the evidence that God is not perfect is that he does not change. So knowing the perfection of God, notice what it says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and notice with me verse 14. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 14, it says, I know whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing could be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. Well, because God is the author of the Bible, not man. Man is the human penman, but God is the author of the Bible. That everything that God does, it is perfect. And because what God does is perfect, it doesn't change. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken away from it. And God does it for the purpose that men could fear God. Because we have a perfect Bible, because it's written from God, we can look and say, wow, look at our God. Because of his perfect Bible, we could see our perfect God. We understand more about him. And that God's Bible does not have to be updated. It doesn't have to be adjusted. It doesn't have to be patched. It doesn't have to be modified. Because God's word is perfect. Now, this all is coming to the same idea that we're teaching in Psalm 119 and starting in verse 89. You could turn back to that psalm now. But we're starting a principle that God is perfect and he does not change. It's the evidence that God is not perfect. And because God gave his word and what God does, nothing can be added to it, nothing can be taken away from it. We know that God's word will last forever, which is the whole idea of this segment of Psalm 119 is that forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. What a great encouragement that God's word will last forever. Now think about this. That if God's word is in heaven and it's settled in heaven, does God have a different Bible in heaven than what we have on earth? No, of course not. And because of God's preservation and his promises of preservation, he's going to keep the Bible here on earth perfect because of it's a supernatural doctrine. God's the one who's watching over it. And therefore, we could trust God's word. I'm thankful that when we get to heaven, we don't find out that we had a different Bible. God's word is forever settled. This helps us because it doesn't change. It doesn't have to be updated. It doesn't have to be modified. It doesn't have to say, well, this was only for the first 19 centuries. From the 20th century on up, it no longer applies. I'm glad that there's no time limit, no expiration, that it is forever settled. And because it's forever settled, the Bible is for all people for all time. That means the Bible's even for us today. Amen. And we could trust it and we could depend upon it. Now notice as God does a comparison in verse number two. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. I'm thankful for God's faithfulness. Thou has established the earth and it abideth. They continue this day according to thy ordinances, for they are thy servants. Now, let's think about this. That what God does is it lasts forever. So God created the earth, but when he created the earth, he also created the laws of science. For example, the laws of gravity. 
the laws of gravity have not changed all of this time. Therefore, we don't have to readjust. Oh, gravity's changing today. Let's see how we're going to have to modify today. That'd be awkward. Gravity, those laws do not change. We have certain laws of science that do not mess change. Chemistry is a wonderful science that most of us are not aware of, but we have chemical reactions happening to us and around us all the time. And the chemical reactions don't change. For example, me putting, mixing water and air. So I take an empty cup and I put water in it. It's still going to be water. There's not going to react to the air around it. Aren't you glad that it doesn't explode when you put it with air? Open a water bottle and blow up? Because the chemistry always is consistent. You could predict, because knowing chemistry and knowing the laws, what is going to happen in a chemical reaction and how things are going to respond. Therefore, we could anticipate. Aren't you thankful for that? That the laws of chemistry don't change? That you have the laws of mathematics, right Zeb? Mathematics does not change. As much as they may try to change and mess up mathematics, mathematics doesn't change. Two plus two is always going to equal four. Doesn't matter what opinion or someone thinks they came up with. Mathematics doesn't change. It is a set law. Because God is an orderly God. And God set up the laws of science. He set up the laws of nature. He set up the laws of biology. And he set the idea of, let's hit biology. The law of biology says the law of biogenesis states that everything reproduces after its own kind. That means if I plant a tomato, I'm I'm not going to get corn. Or a whale. Or a cat. Everything reproduces after its own kind. It's a law in science. It doesn't change. It doesn't modify. Because God set these laws up and they do not change. Now, when we think about the laws of science doesn't change. Because everything that God does, it is perfect. Nothing can be taken away from it. Nothing can be added to it. It is perfect. It's faithful. The same thing with God's word. Just like gravity doesn't change, God's word is preserved because he promised to preserve it. He promised to keep his word. And we could depend upon it. Notice in verse 91 as it's talking about these laws of science and the earth. They continue this day according to thy ordinances for they are thy servants. Think about this. That the laws of science, the laws of gravity, the laws of chemistry, the laws of biology, the laws of mathematics, they're God's servants. He created them to create an orderly world. And they obey Him. Our God is a perfect God who changes not. And He knows what He's doing. And because God has given us His Word, He is giving us something that does not change, something that is permanent, that we could put our hope in. If the Bible was changing, we could not put our hope and trust into it. Because what happens when we have the newest update? What's going to become obsolete? The Bible doesn't change. We could always trust it. What a great encouragement this is that we can trust it. That God can (laughs) control everything. Now think, it also said that's his servants. And because it's his servants, even nature obeys God. We had mentioned yesterday at our um, soul winning meeting, 
about snow and ice and stuff mentioned in the book of Job. Do you know that nature obeys God? Animals obey God. Think about the whale that God had prepared for Jonah. God had set that up. God is in control of all of that. He is in control of nature. We know there are some things that are supernatural. That means beyond nature. But those things prove the rule that God is in charge of everything. And then we talk to miracles. Someone may try to say, well, listen, they don't change. God's in charge. He can override these miracles that he's, or nature that he can set up and turn water into wine. He can make the blind see the lame walk again. He could change these things because he is in charge of all of these things. What a wonderful God. Think about nature that obeyed God to send the ten plagues upon Egypt. All of those frogs obeyed God. The lice obeyed God. The sun and the light obeyed God. That God is in charge of it all. And he has set laws. And all of this brings us back to God's word. That God's word doesn't change. And that we get dependent and we can trust in it. Because it's God's servant. And it's set to do what he has asked it to do. Now with that in mind, knowing about that God's word uh, is forever, let's continue on with this psalm and see that God's word saves. God's word saves. Notice with me verse 92. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in my affliction. The permanence and stability of God's word gave the psalmist something to cling to in the middle of his affliction. It was something that he could anchor himself. When the storms of life came. And he is admitting that if I didn't have this stable thing to grab to. If I didn't have this permanent structure to cling to. If I didn't have this thing where I could stand upon. Then the storms of life. The affliction would have caused me to perish. I would have died. The only way that I got through those things. Is that I was able to cling to something that was consistent. Something that was permanent. Something that I could cling to. Something I could stand to. Something that I couldn't change. He said, because of this, because of God's word settled forever, it gave me something to endure when affliction happens. God's word never fails. Notice verse 93. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them, meaning those precepts, thou hast quickened me. Now, this idea of quicken carries the idea to make alive. We understand that Jesus told Nicodemus, Verily, verily, ye must be born again. That we must have two different births. We have to have a physical birth. Then we have to have a spiritual birth. What brought that spiritual birth? Someone told us the promises of God's word and we trusted them for ourselves. And then once we're saved, when we get new life, we get it from God's word. It's God's promises that we cling to. It's God's promises that we trust. When you need reviving, when your spirit feels dead and feels like it's dying, you need God's word because it's God's word that will give you new life because it's a permanent thing. It's something we can stick to. And that's the purpose of the Bible. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 that the word of God is quick and powerful. The Bible's alive. And because it's alive and it has the breath of God into it, it can give us the life that we need. Again, nine times in Psalm 119, the psalmist will have the pray, prayer, quicken me. 
make me live again. Put new life into me. Where does that come from? Well, he clearly says where it came from. From God's word. For with them, thy precepts, thou hast quickened me. Then notice, if you don't mind, in verse 94. A simplistic prayer that has a lot into it. Notice, if you don't mind, there's three parts to this prayer in verse number 94. First of all, I am thine. Sometimes we need to start with this point. God, you're God, I'm your servant. God, you created me, you saved me, you put me here for a reason. I'm just establishing I'm yours. Lord, because I'm yours, you have a responsibility to take care of the things that belong to you. You take care of it. You know, it's interesting that the great um, verse of revival, 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and then I will hear from heaven. Forgive their sins and heal their land. God starts off with this idea that we're supposed to say, my people. I'm one of God's people. I belong to God. There's a possession. And the psalmist is coming and saying, God, I'm one of yours. I'm your servant. I'm your child. Daddy, take care of me. I'm not the neighbor's kid. I'm your kid. Take care of me. I'm thine. So he starts off, I am thine. Notice this two-word prayer afterwards. Save me. Save me. This two-word prayer reduces things to the basics. Save me. No need for long speeches. No need for flowery language. Save me. Save me. There's no secret code. No secret handshake. No secret words. Save me. Save me. If you'd be surprised as you go through the Bible and see these two word prayers, save me, help me. That's all we need. Save me. Help me. God is able to do so much with that simple prayer. Help me. Help me. God knows exactly what to do with that. Help me. He says, I'm yours, God. Help me. Save me. Deliver me. Take care of me. God is able to do so much with this. Then notice as he ends off this simple prayer, I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. Now there are times where the psalmist might have stumbled, but his overall testimony is that he tried to obey God's word. And God can search his heart and find out that the psalmist was right. The psalmist doesn't want to be delivered from the situation to live a selfish life. And you know, sometimes it's amazing to see where people will ask that. I want God to save me. Well, good. What are you going to do afterwards? Are you going to come to church? No. You going to read your Bible? Well, then why should God help you? The psalmist is saying, listen, it's not wasted effort for you to save me. Because I plan on using my life to serve you. He could go to God with confidence, with boldness. Remember it talks about in the book of Hebrews that we could go boldly to the throne room of grace. How can I enter boldly? Remember boldly isn't rude or where I'm bossing God around. But it's meaning I could go with confidence that listen God, I have every desire to serve you. Help me so I can serve you more. 
help me so I can still follow after you. Look at my testimony. I've already been trying to be consistent. I've been trying to follow after you. I'm not perfect, but I've been trying to follow you. I'm going to continue to try to do the same thing. Help me. Oh, it's great to be on praying ground. It's great to be right with God when you hit those times of help me, save me. And to be able to go and say, look, you, got, you can look at my record, God. And I plan on still serving after you, following after you. I'm not asking you to save me so I could waste my life. I'm asking you for deliver me so I could use my life and health and strength for the purpose of using it to serve you. Notice as we go on in verse 95. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me. Now the psalmist noticed that the wicked continue to look for ways to destroy him. The wicked hate God and they hate those who remind them of God's goodness and God's grace. Jesus was good and his enemies were continually looking for ways to destroy Jesus. I mean... That's a great example. Jesus Christ did nothing but good. He never bullied anyone. Never pushed anyone out. He was always gracious with his speech. He was always, I don't want to use the word tactful. Um, graciousness is probably the best word when he dealt with people. He was never rude to people. And they hated him. He helped people. He made their lives better. And they hated him. Why? Because it reminded them of God who they didn't want to serve. And the psalmist understood what it was. They hate God, not the psalmist. They hate the psalmist because they hate God. And he says, I'm making a decision, but I will consider thy testimonies. How did the psalmist handle the enemies who wanted to destroy him? I'm going back to God's word. I'm depending upon God's word. I'm trusting on it. To me, when I get through hard times, the place I go to is the historical books. Why? I want to see how God dealt with his people and he dealt with the enemies. And God is consistent, so I could expect God to continue to take care of me. That's where I get the comfort from, to look at what God has done before and to look how God will work. I could trust him. But again, it's the idea you go into God's word. Some people love going to the Psalms. And the Psalms give them so much encouragement in the times they need it. It's God's word that we need to run to. To get the understanding and the encouragement we need. In the situations where the, the enemies are against us. We should be running to God's word even more. If you don't mind, one last thing. We see God's word continues. God's word continues. Notice with me, 96. I have seen the end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. The psalmist says, I've seen the end of all things. I see how this is going to end. That one day, this world is going to burn up. One day, my life will be gone. One day, governments will fall. One day, this is all gone. But guess what's going to outlive everything? God's word. God's word. God's word is going to outlast everything. It's going to stand forever. And again, because it's going to last forever, I could cling to it. I could trust in it. It's not going to be outdated. It's not going to be setting aside. Now notice at the end statement, it says, but thy commandment is exceedingly broad. One of the 
misnomers that has now brought its way into Christian vocabulary as they say, you're so narrow-minded. You believe in a narrow book. Well, the Bible says that it's a broad book. (laughs) In truth, what the Bible says is that the Bible is broad and open in life, death, eternity, time. All human philosophies are limited or narrow. Meaning they can't comprehend and they can't cover everything. But the Bible does. Their views would be narrow. The Bible is broad and open because it covers so much of spectrum of truth. It covers what happens life after death. It covers creation. It covers the human heart. Remember that psychologists, they try to fix man by studying man. Christian biblical counseling is that we learn about taking care of man by studying God. And as we study the creator who made man, he could tell us about man. And he could tell us more about man than we can just by observation of man. Amen. See, the Bible is so broad where our human philosophies and our human understandings are so narrow because we don't have enough information. Wonderful. God knows what he is doing. Maybe in question time I may bounce onto that after a recording to show you an example of that. But it is wonderful how this works. And above all, the Bible speaks of a loving God who robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible records his life and his ministry and his teaching. And it is through him we have salvation. Through him we have comfort. Through him we have relief for suffering. And the Bible tells us all about God. That all throughout Genesis to the end of Revelation. is all about Jesus. And all about him. And he is our comfort. He is our help. He is what we depend upon. What a wonderful God that we have. I'm so thankful that God says that his word is forever. His word is without fail. His word doesn't need correction. His word doesn't need things added to it. His word doesn't need to be taking things away. It says forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.